0: Hi, I'm Kim Giddens. I love goals and helping people reach them. I spent over 20 years driving close to $2 billion in revenue for American retail brands. I tracked goals hourly and sometimes minutely, giving me high-touch experience with bringing hundreds and thousands of individuals together to reach big goals. Goals done well provide hope, aspiration, and structure to your every day and build strength and confidence that is sustainable and stackable. Today, I'm an executive coach and my expertise is tapping individual motivation to drive the best results. The starting point is always the goal, but it's also the hardest point, which is why I created this podcast, Goal Boldly, a workshop-style discussion on goal-setting and goal-getting. Join me every week for inspiration, tactical advice, and listen in on real coaching sessions reaching real, bold goals. In my description of the podcast, I talked about goals, done well provide hope, aspiration, and structure. And I truly believe that. Part of the point of a goal is to be successful, but goals have gotten a bad rap because we put so much weight on the results or the outcome. When in fact, everybody wants something different, but humans actually need some of the same things. There are six pillars that I talk about from a personality perspective and where we focus and making sure that people are feeling happy, satisfied, fulfilled whether it be in your career or in your life and those things are by name possibility meaning there needs to be some hope or there should be hope in your life purpose which is really the meaning or reason we exist ultimately it's our motivation power power is about choice but power is also our competence what we're capable of and then there's productivity Productivity is actually just time and energy and how we manage it. And productivity is our economic engine. So it's really our output. Then there's proof. We all need proof. Proof of progress, proof of something, some sort of validation. Final pillar is partnerships. Positive partnerships, in fact, are what make people thrive. There's a topic right now being discussed called well-being. The Gallup organization is the only company right now polling well being for the workplace. And they define well being with five factors career, social, financial, physical, and community. What Gallup does is they ask questions and poll lots and lots of people all over the world, primarily in the workplace. And ultimately, the workplace is a great place to start since. We have a pretty large population in there. Most of us spend a lot of time working. For those five factors, what we're looking at is career. Do you do something you like to do every day? Social, do you have meaningful relationships? Financial, are you able to manage your money well? Physical, do you have the energy to do things that you like? And community, do you like where you live? So Gallup just came out with their State of the Global Workplace 2021 report. And it's a pretty comprehensive report, 191 pages. I'm not gonna go through all the details of all of the millions of people that they've polled. But as I said, they're the only ones right now who are measuring both engagement and well-being in the workplace. And I myself has have a lot of experience with that as I've worked with multiple organizations where we have used the Gallup Engagement Survey as part of the way to in- survey our, our workforce. It's not the only way you can survey the workforce, but it's 12 questions, very consistent, very simple. And measure whenever you're measuring something, having the same questions and the same things year over year is really important because it provides that structure and, and level playing field for you to compare year over year. So engagement is defined as involvement and enthusiasm in your work and workplace. And engaged employees, Act differently than disengaged employees or actively disengaged employees. Engaged employees actually go above and beyond, they surpass expectations, and they drive the competitive edge for the company. So, engagement is really important. What I love about this new report is the fact that we're factoring well being. So, in Gallup's terms, They're looking at well-being as something that is helping us to assess whether a person is thriving versus suffering. What we see when someone is thriving is someone who is focused, high energy, innovative, and agile, as well as resilient. And resilient is a big factor in today's workforce, not just because of the global pandemic or because of the things that we're facing on a day-to-day basis. But more importantly, because the world will continue to change. The environment will continue to change. We are faced with serious events every single day. In my time over the years in the corporate environment, I've dealt with school shootings, towers falling, economies disrupting markets crashing, those are all things that contribute to every employee, not just the businesses that, that suffer as a result, but every single one of us. So well-being is becoming the new metric alongside with engagement, which engagement really does talk about specifically what are you expected to do at work, do you have friends at work, do you feel supported at work. Part of the reason why I started Personology was because I'm very interested in the culture of workplace. It's something that I did over the years, driving the culture, and coming out and doing this on my own, I wanted to impact more and more people. And that's why I've used Gallup as a measure, because they they do measure year over year. And the good news is, actually, there was a bit of an increase in the engagement score overall for this last report, up two points. But what's interesting about that engagement score is that there was a likelihood of people feeling grateful for actually having a job. And that is where we saw a lot of that improvement. Right now, as it stands, 20% of the workforce, the world's workforce, is engaged, which means 80% are disengaged, or worse, actively angry. What that means is we've got, you've got 80% of people who really are doing a job versus a career, watching the clock actively, or opposing their employer. Life is impacted by work, not just a job. So as I said before, we spend a lot of time working it is our economic engine it's how we survive it's a core metric of the human spirit and well-being and growth and advancement in whatever you do is a core metric in well-being do you like to do what you do every day so in an effort to motivate everyone i'm going to share some of the scary statistics that came out of this survey seven out of ten employees are suffering versus thriving this is estimated at eight 1 trillion dollars in lost productivity or 10% of the GNP those are staggering statistics and this is the global workplace I'll definitely do some episodes that are more segmented by region but these are powerful statistics and it doesn't really vary too much across the world more importantly what this survey shared was 43% of of the world's workplace is experiencing negative emotions daily, which includes stress and worry. 24% are experiencing anger and 25% sadness, and 14% report that they weren't treated with respect. Those, again, are some staggering statistics. Now, not all of these answers are always directly correlated into the workplace. However, If you have an angry employee, whether they're angry at work or at home, you've got anger in the workplace, and that can be contagious. This is serious. So what do we do about it? So I believe that everyone has a responsibility. I have a responsibility, and you have a responsibility. So whether you run a company, whether you're a manager, or whether you're an employee, you're probably one of the three or if you're a customer I would also share that you have a responsibility. What can companies do to drive engagement and well-being up for their employees? This isn't just about ping pong tables or wellness programs or and you know pizza lunches anything like that. These are real tips on what we can be doing in the workplace to drive well being and engagement, which ultimately drives results, profit, and results. Number one, developing your employees' strengths to help them foster long term growth. Long term growth is very important to all employees and to human beings. Being able to see that long term growth, that possibility that I spoke of, and that progress and the proof of progress is very important. Creating family-friendly policies and encouraging friendships at work. This is often a controversial topic. And let me just explain a little deeper about that. Family-friendly policies have never been more important right now, especially with our mass exodus of women in the workplace. We need policies that enable flexibility at work for everyone. The pandemic forced this, but interestingly, this work from home didn't actually force this family-friendly policy. We saw actually more work and this bleed throughout the day and this never-ending Zoom, and then probably a lot of frustration behind the scenes of trying to get children out of the way, not being in the Zoom, or more importantly, just trying to get them to do their schoolwork or entertain them. So. Family-friendly policies is not just about having the social night or networking um, at lunch or asking people what their favorite book is. This is truly thinking about what is most important to the employees. And generally, there may be some differences, but there are going to be some similarities. The third point is providing financial services and education. This is extremely important helping people to understand how to manage their money along with whether they're 401k plans or retirement plans, all of that, those are things that are very difficult to understand. I've worked for some best-in-class companies and I will say I grew up at The Gap and they were best-in-class in this particular area. I don't know what their status is at this moment, uh, but when I was there for 10 years, I can tell you that's, uh, they were fantastic. I also work with some other companies who also provide a varying degree of financial services and education. Many times we're looking at stock option plans and participation rates aren't as strong as we would like. Whenever you're seeing a metric like that, that generally means we're not fully informing the employee what the benefit is for them. So while we can see that is a huge benefit, maybe they don't understand it. The fourth is encouraging physical activity and making it easy to choose healthy foods. Now there are lots and lots of ways to do that, but I go back to that family-friendly policy again and just linking this to meeting times. One of the things I think that could be looked at in terms of encouraging more physical activity would be looking at the meeting schedule. In terms of physical activity, if you are back to back in meetings, chances are you're not gonna have an opportunity to schedule time for exercise or making it easier to choose healthy foods. This is a personal passion of mine, so I have millions of ideas that I can come up with And I'm sure there are programs that are in place in many of your corporations that could be leveraged more creatively to encourage people to do this. Again, it goes back to communication. How are we educating our staff and linking that physical exercise to energy and ability to be productive? Finally, celebrating those who give back to the community through their service. I think that companies have cut back on a lot of a lot of benefits over the years and this is one of them. I know that there are companies who do a great job of matching, doing employer match. Uh, my, My child goes to a charter school and we generate a lot of our funds through employer matches. But I think there are also other things that we could do to encourage employees to dedicate some of their time through service and spend that time. It's not just beneficial for the service that we're providing or whoever we're helping, it's extremely beneficial personally to be able to give back and give back freely. These five things would go a long way to increasing engagement as well as the well-being of our workforce. You don't have to do all of them at once. There doesn't have to be intensive programs around there. In the spirit of making things simple, why don't we just start with a question? The one question I would ask, do you get to do what you like to do? every day. That question drives awareness. And awareness is the first step in building strengths. You've got to identify the talent. As a leader in any company, whether you're the CEO or just you have a few direct reports, you have the power to greatly improve your employees' everyday lives. Improving employee well-being depends on the decisions of executive leaders. Ultimately, we're all responsible for our own well-being. And as I said in the beginning, goals done well drive hope, aspiration, and structure. Ultimately, they drive our well-being. So how can you set a goal that will foster your well-being? First and foremost, let's look at those five categories again. Career, do you like to do what you do every day? Social, do you have meaningful relationships in your life? Financial, are you able to manage your money well physical do you have the energy to do the things you want to do and community do you like where you live out of those five things let's pick career for our exercise of goal setting define success for yourself what do you like to do do you get to do what you'd like to do every day and how does that translate to your career what do you want and by when so something you could say is by the end of this year I will be making X amount doing this job. From there you want to understand your motivation. Really understand what are the stakes of not reaching that goal. That right there will help you to really define what it is that you want and why. A lot of times we set these goals they're aspirational. We think that's what they want right now but it's really just the starting point so you don't have to be so big and bold with your goal. Keep it simple. I want to get to do what I like to do every day. And what would that mean? And why would that improve your well-being? If you didn't, what would the stakes be? If you weren't liking what you did every day, what would the stakes be? Those are the two big first steps in a goal. It's generally as far as we get, most of us. But I'm going to take you to the next step, which is really important. Where are you now? Where are you now in your career based on that goal? So let's just say you're making zero dollars right now with no job, and you would like to make an X amount of dollars and a certain job. So at least you know you have something to work on. You need to go from zero to this spot. That helps you to identify what are some of the things that you need to do to get there. What do you need to know? Who do you need to who do you need to speak to? What do you need to learn? From there, you figure out what you need to do to invest in yourself in order to get there. And then make a plan. Most importantly is creating accountability for yourself. Just setting a goal isn't enough. Setting a goal that's unrealistic is actually even worse. So create some accountability. Maybe you don't know what you want right now. So then you just start there. What would I like to do in my career this next year? And then that's your first milestone. Here are some ways you can create accountability. Share with somebody. Tell somebody, I need to figure out what I want to do with my career this year. I'm going to figure it out by the end of January. Get a coach. Sounding board is huge. We've all been in isolation in many, many ways over the last two years. And even though we've been on Zoom calls and probably have talked to our families, we're still in our head a lot. And getting a coach, an objective person, can really help helping us to understand what it is we want and what it is we're good at. The third point in creating accountability for yourself would be to find a group, a group of like-minded people in similar situation, whether that be peers at work or a group online or some sort of membership, anything where you have like-minded people, people that get you, people that understand where you are in your situation. They don't have to be fully objective, but if you're all striving towards the same type of goal, this makes it easier to set deadlines, but most importantly, When you've got somebody watching your back and holding you accountable, it becomes a lot easier to hold yourself accountable. The most important thing I want you to take from this goal setting is that a goal is just a starting point. The goal helps us to measure our motivation now, where we wanna be, and helps us define how to get there. And guess what? Chances are you don't know how to get there right now. And that's why the goal and hitting those milestones along the way will help inform you. Because I promise the journey is really the goal. Your goal will change over time. But starting is the only way to reach a goal. That's it for this episode of Goal Boldly. I would love to hear any feedback, comments, or questions, or maybe even topics you'd like to hear on this podcast. You can fill out a form on my website or learn more about me. My website is www.personology.com. P-E-R-S-O-N-O-L-O-G-I-E dot com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Kimberly Giddens. I look forward to talking to you next week.